0: Welcome to the Top 5, each week I discuss my Top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, Watkins Glen. Hello and welcome to the Top 5, I'm your host Connor, thanks so much for tuning in. This is a quick 15-20 minute podcast to break down my thoughts from each week's race. This week we'll be discussing Watkins Glen. But before we do, I'd like to invite you to check out my Facebook page, you just search The Top 5 on Facebook, or go to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top 5 and share with me your thoughts. Agree, disagree, let's have a fun conversation about NASCAR. So let's get into this week's Top 5. Number 1-1. So, number one, I usually cover all things pre-race. There was a good-sized crowd on hand, which was surprising considering it was raining. Uh, They announced they were going to start the race on time. They had announced this earlier in the week that they were going to use rain tires, uh, which I am not a fan of. Um, What I don't understand is why change the way that you compete uh, it doesn't seem right. And it limits the entire field. Uh, nobody can really pass. Nobody can see. Drivers are very, very cautious, rightfully so. It just doesn't seem right. You you have a way of doing things. Why completely change it seemingly on a whim? So I was less than impressed to see that. Uh, but it's NASCAR's ruling. Also, why do we only do that on road courses? We could do it on oval tracks. Uh, We don't because it changes the competition, which is frustrating. Um, I don't think the teams like it either. It really uh, limits their ability and it completely changes the strategy uh, going into the race. I get that Watkins Glen is a massive track and drying it would take time. Uh, but 14 laps in, the, the track was dry. So that brings me on to my next point, uh, getting into the actual racing itself. Number two. So the green flag f- flag dropped, and it was basically a spin fest. I wonder why. Probably because the track was soaking wet. Uh, also, they did single-file restarts or single file start uh and restarts on the wet track. Now, I understand that you can't have double file restarts, but single file restarts are dumb. It's just senseless. You're basically giving the front car a giant uh giant lead and that's basically how they ran just in a straight line. Doing double file restarts was one of the greatest decisions at NASCAR. Had come up with. I know people complain about some things like stage racing, but I've yet to hear anybody complain about double foul restarts. Uh, AJ Almendinger was the first to spin on lap two. Uh, he, Cedric, uh, slid into him, pushed him off the track. There was no caution. Uh, bad break for him. Uh, and then there was just a bunch of uh, sliding and locking up tires and just no real competition around lap 14, uh, the track did start to dry and become more competitive. And a few teams came in and got slicks. And it was kind of funny to watch a a lot of teams wanted to hold off and see how they did. The lap times weren't comparable. Slicks were just so much faster that eventually the whole field had to come down, uh, and get slicks. Chase Briscoe won stage one stage two brought the return of side-by-side restarts. And once that happened, the, the racing significantly improved, uh, Todd Gillen, Gillian was leading for a while in an exciting way. He, he forced the issue, got inside, took the lead, uh, Unfortunately for him, he broke an axle, I believe it was. Just a tough break. Uh, And Logano took the lead. Logano won stage two. I think that stage two was the best stage I've seen in any race so far this season. Uh, Especially after the stinker that was stage one. It was side-by-side racing throughout the entire field. There were lead changes. Uh there were cars that were falling off, you know, losing grip, losing balance, uh, that were, you know, racing really well. I think Logano at one point was 17th in stage two and through a mixture of strategy and racing. I think he took three or four spots on one restart. Um it, it was just exciting. Fun, fun racing. I enjoyed it very much which brought us to the end of the race in my next points. Number three. So at the beginning of stage three, uh, going through the bus stop, there was a wreck between Kimi Raikkonen and Austin Dillon. It was a shame for, uh, Raikkonen. He was having a great day and it was his first career start. Turns out the one car, uh, slid into Austin Dillon, sent him sideways, the field corrected, and somebody got into wrecking him. Uh, I just, I don't know how many cars Ross Chastain hasn't hit this year. Every time there's a wreck, he seems to be a part of it. It's just crazy. It's like that old scene in Days of Thunder, uh, when the crew chief tells the driver to go out and hit the pace car because he's hitting everything else. But it's been like this all season for Ross Chastain. I don't know if I should be mad at him or feel bad for him. He he just, he is in his way and the rest of the field's way. And it's got to be a mental thing at this point. He's got to be in his own head. There's no other way. Uh, everything went pretty smooth from then till 12 to go. The 15 of Joey Hand uh, spun. Bringing out the caution. And then on the restart, the 27 spun and landed in the sand. And uh, that brought out the caution because he couldn't get the car out. So that brought the exciting restart with 15, or I'm sorry, six laps to go. You had Larson and Chase Elliott. uh, Larson on the inside of Elliott. uh, Larson took the lead, Larson won the race, but I decided that that little controversy decided an entire portion all to itself. So congrats to Larson on the win, but not without controversy. Number four. So the big Larson versus Elliott. I believe the majority of NASCAR fans are going to end up on the Elliott side of it because most of them are Elliott fans. Uh, I find it really tough to draw a winner and a loser from, from this situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty good, whether it's biased or non-biased, at, at deciding who's at fault. <clears throat> so let's, let's reset what happened. For those of you who don't know, Larson was on the inside of Elliot going into the tight turn one, locked up, slid up into Elliot, forcing Elliot up the track. And um, I believe Elliot finished. Or no, he did finish second, maybe third. Uh, but Elliot had the best car all day and was starting with his teammate on his inside. And I don't think he expected to be raced that way from a teammate, especially a teammate with multiple wins. That's already locked into the playoffs. So it's kind of tough though. Had Larson not taken the corner the way that he did, he would have been passed by the car behind him. And it's also difficult because Larson locked up his brakes and There was nothing he could do. His two options were wreck Elliott or slide into him. It's unfortunate, and I hate to defend Larson, and I understand Elliott's frustration. Uh, And like I said, Elliott had the best car all day. He had ran up front. Larson had a great day, too, but I thought Elliott was the car to beat. These things happen, though. You lose races at the end of the race. It's just not common that you see a a teammate... um, Being the one that sort of takes you out, although he didn't take him out, he just took him out of took him out of the way. I thought it was very smart the way that both drivers handled uh, their post post race press conferences. I thought they were classy, and um, it, it it was they both basically said we're going to handle this in business and they have meetings, competition meetings every week. Obviously this one was a little different than most. I think Larson came out of it later in the week and said, after much discussion, he should have done things differently. I agree. Um, What I would like to have seen is Logano run through both of them and get the win, but you know, I can't always have my way. I, doubt there will be any retaliation maybe if those two are side by side in the future it will be uh you know less less give more take by elliot after what happened it'll be interesting to see but it was definitely interesting to watch on the track and i can't wait to see what comes of it so let's look forward to next week number five So next week is the regular season finale. And I'm actually not sure how the playoff scenario is going to work. Kurt Busch announced that he's no longer going to be competing. I really hope this isn't a retirement for him. It might be. Um, But he's done for the year. Does that open a new spot? Honestly, I'm not sure, and I'll have to research it. Going into this, on points, it was Blaney and Truex were the only two that could make it. So if an already in playoff driver were to win, um, Blaney has uh, 35 points on Truex and would need... Need a number of scenarios. I was trying to find the scenario breakdown, but I was struggling uh, to happen. But this is Daytona, and anything can happen at Daytona. A driver could come out of nowhere and get a win uh, and lock themselves in the playoffs, and both Blaney and Truex could be out. However, if there's an extra spot, which I believe there is now that that, uh, Kurt Busch is out, I think Blaney makes it, no matter what. I think Truex is going to need a win. And I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to predict that Bubba Wallace gets a win and is in the playoffs. And Ryan Blaney also makes it. Truex is on the outside crying and I mean, looking in. That's my, my prediction. Bet your house on it if you win. Chip me off 10%. If you lose, you probably shouldn't have bet that much anyway. So listen, thanks so much for tuning in. Like I said, this is meant to be a quick podcast. Share my quick thoughts on the race and and talk about the next one and the news and notes of NASCAR. So before I go, though, I would like to remind you one more time, please search The Top 5 on Facebook, all spelled out. Uh, Hit that like button and share your thoughts. Uh, Also, patreon.com forward slash the top five. Let's have a fun conversation about our uh, favorite sport. So once again, I really appreciate you tuning in. This has been the top five, and I'm Connor.